And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Oh, heck yeah. I should have brought like sleigh bells as a prop because this is a Christmas episode. So welcome to a a Good Story Christmas episode. (laughs) This is the way we Christmas. That's right. That is exactly SF style. (laughs) SF style. I'm looking at a paperback book here. Me this, too. This thing was published in uh, 1990. Um, Christmas on Ganymede and other stories, edited by Martin H. Greenberg, the great Martin H. Greenberg, mm-hmm. who's who's edited. Uh, I think it was one million <laughs> books. He's he's done so, so many. I have no idea how many, but he edited so many. But there are folks in here like on the cover: Paul Anderson, Frederick Pohl, Isaac Asimov. Um, Connie Willis is in here. Gordon uh, R. Dixon. Gordon R. Dixon. Jack McDevitt. Um, oh, yeah. Gene Wolfe. Connie Willis. Uh, yeah, so it's just a nice little collection. It's not very big. It's just a couple hundred pages, 240 or so um, long. But um, So what we've done, we read this book, and uh, we picked a few that we would just like to talk about. But these are science fiction Christmas stories. How can we go wrong with these? Oh, we cannot. (laughs) Well, and I would like to mention that first, a while back, you were thinking about this, and you had a more modern book. Oh, yeah. Seasons of Wonder, I think. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Because a lot of these stories, let's see, 1941, 1969. There's a couple from the 1980s, 1956. So they range from the 41 to, like, you know, the 80s. Yeah. And what I uh, liked about these stories that you did not find in the more modern set, really, was something we've talked about before. There's hope and optimism mm. and tolerance, or true tolerance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in these that goes along with the spirit of Christmas as we know it. Instead yeah. of this doom and gloom and aren't people terrible and we can never live up to the high standards of something like Christmas because we're awful, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep, I hear that. Yeah, this is a science fiction I grew up on. Um, yeah. You know, grew up in the 80s and, you know, reading 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, science fiction is sure different right now, what's being published. There yeah. are exceptions, obviously, but just as a general rule, this – this pessimism. We talked about it in the Star Trek episode too, with the, with the newer versions of Star Trek. Um, I don't know why. Um, but, um, I don't know. Optimism about our future seems like a really cool thing to have. <laughs> Cause know. you know, uh, yeah, let's make it great. Let's do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're not shown what we can achieve, how are we going to even try? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, most appealing things about science fiction, you know, dystopia is, I think I've read enough dystopias. <laughs> let's, let's yeah. read some, uh, some, uh, not, not so much utopia, you know, I'm not, I'm not unrealistic, but, um, I sure think that there's a way from here to there, you know what I mean? Something from a way from here to something better. Well, I would say in this case, the stories we chose, and there were other stories that we liked too, but it's funny, these four are the ones that we agreed we liked mm, the most. Yeah. Agreed. And um, they're not, 
utopian, but what they are is kind of the way we have to live in the world, right? It is not a perfect world. It's not a perfect situation. Things surprise us. Things uh, come up that may be bad. How do you get through it? Mm. How do you live? What is it that's your anchor in all that that yeah. makes you come through the other side? And I think all these stories have some element of that, really. Yeah, I think so too. And and these mm-hmm. are the types of stories I fell in love with, you know, not right. specifically Christmas stories, but these are science fiction stories with cool science fiction points and mm-hmm. and settings and you know, we're in space, we're on other planets and you know, what's Christmas like there, you know? Uh all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, and this collection does have a, just a few that are more gloomy kind of mm-hmm. um presaging what will come later. And there's a few that aren't necessarily that way, but they tend to go more the horror genre. And you get that all over anyway with, mm-hmm. you know, that's just part of the different kinds of Christmas stories that are out there. But there were a fair number that were surprisingly, I thought, optimistic. And that really, to me, showed the difference between, as you say, this older science fiction and the new trend to be just uh, too cool to be hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be hopeful. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's nerd it up. You bet. So yeah, so the first one we want to talk about is called The Christmas Present by Gordon R. Dixon. How about that? Gordon yeah. R. Dixon, yeah. He yeah. wrote, uh, what, the Dorsai stories. I, I haven't read a lot of those, but I've read some. That was. And I haven't read one. anything by mm-hmm. him. I thought I had, and I was looking through the list and said, he wrote so many stories, and I have read zero of them that yeah, I can think of. Yeah. But this one makes me think maybe I should try some. Very good. So I picked this one. This is about a family, well, a little boy named Alan who's six years old and living on an alien planet with his family. And he's got a best friend named Harvey hmm. who's a Sidorian, so he's a native of the planet. And Harvey is kind of like a jellyfish-type creature who has to be in the water all the time or in the liquid, whatever it is. But he's got little filaments that he mm. can use to move around. And he tells us in the story he's electrical yeah. and helps him keep <laughs> off the bad things that might be out there. And um, But they can talk to each other. Harvey can kind of – they said Harvey is beautiful. And his planet's beautiful, even if the people don't think so, through Harvey's eyes – they describe the beauty of the planet. So that's one of the things I liked about the story. And But they're talking, and so Alan is teaching Harvey about Christmas because he's very excited. It's going to be <laughs> Christmas time. He's going to have Harvey come up to the house and see the tree oh, yeah. when they get it set up. And then he explains it. And then when he sees the tree, the tree is not like a real Christmas tree. They had to make do. And so yeah. the mother has explained to her, to Alan that making do, just, you know, you do the best you can and you see what's beautiful and what's there anyway. I loved that little conversation. Yeah. Beautiful conversation. Well, and what I loved is that Alan is disappointed mm-hmm. and crying even, but he accepts this because when Harvey sees it, if the mother says, Harvey will find this beautiful. He's never seen it before. And so Alan's continually kind of qualifying, going, but it doesn't matter. We're going to make do because it's still beautiful. And Harvey doesn't know what beautiful really is. And so Alan's, um, at one point, this leads them into talking about Christmas presents 
And um, the fact that a gift is you give something special to someone you love. And what I like is when Alan tells Harvey, what makes Christmas is the loving and the giving. Hmm. Because that's what his mother has taught him. Yep. And so he gives Harvey one of his very treasured little figurines that's a spaceman that (laughs) his father has made for him, and he gives it to Harvey. And Harvey decides he's going to make something beautiful for Christmas for Alan. Mm. Um, Beautiful, yep. Yeah, and you need to read the story because... yeah. Because what Harvey does is Harvey understands things in a different way than people do, but Harvey understands things the same. Right. He knows that. Um, so, so spoiler. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that okay, Scott? Sure, I think so. Yeah. yeah, these are old um, stories, and yeah, people can can right. put you, you can on pause listening. if they want. Yeah, <laughs> right. Put me on pause and go read. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's some horrible. Uh, very, th- very threatening. We would call them monsters, what they're called water bulls. And sometimes they're, they'll attack boats going by and sometimes they won't. No one understands it. Harvey doesn't understand it. But Alan's father is coming back late at night on a boat. And um, you, the first time I read the story, I thought that Harvey was killing the water bull to keep it from getting Alan sometime, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. The second time I thought, no, because his father's away coming back in a boat, and they were just talking about them attacking boats. He's doing it to make sure that Alan's father is not killed. Yeah. Either way, he's making this, he's making the beautiful thing for Alan, and it is that he kills the biggest water bull that anyone has ever seen. Mm-hmm. But in the killing, the water bull kills him too, crushes him. Mm hmm. And when they find the body, it's the fringe, uh, the filaments are still clutching the little figurine. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, beautiful. it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's just, it's so cool. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just well, well conceived, you know. Um, I, I, I just, I, I love the descriptions of Harvey, you know, like um, they pulled him out of the water to come see the tree. It was like he was sitting right. on his arm and. Um, that's just really cool. And then I love, there's this little paragraph where he's swimming. Harvey is swimming. Yeah. And I'm, I, just, I was like, I read it twice. I thought it was so cool, but it says, um, it appeared he floated. So this is after he received the gift from Alan and he had a conversation with Alan's mom. And then he said, I'm, uh, he said, I would like to give a present. I will make a present. And, uh, you know, his mom is touched and says, thank you, Harvey. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. he jumps in the water and then he just, uh, it's just beautiful. He says, it appeared he floated, but actually he was swimming very swiftly. His hundreds of hair-like filaments drove him through the dark water at amazing speed, but without a ripple. Almost it seemed as if the water was no heavy substance to him, but a matter as light as gas through which he traveled on the faintest impulse of a thought. Love that. Ah. Uh, just yeah. really nice, you know. I also was struck by that. And the thing I like, too, about his conversation with the mother, and he says, I don't understand mm-hmm. about a Christmas present. I know you don't, she sighed and smiled a little at the same time. Christmas just happens to be a time when we all give gifts to each other. It goes a long way back. 
Standing there in the dark, she found herself trying to explain and wondered, listening to the sound of her own voice, that she should feel so much comfort in talking to only Harvey. When she was finished with the story of Christmas and what the reasons were that had moved Alan, she fell silent. And the Sidorian rocked equally silent before her on the dark water, not answering. Do you understand? she asked at last. No, said Harvey, but it is a beautiful. Hmm. Yes, she said, it is a beautiful, all right. And so yeah, he's heard the story of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And of course, that would be incomprehensible to an alien. But there's something deep in it that touches him. And he understands sacrifice and giving something that's beautiful and your life, giving your life. He doesn't know that he'll die, but the chances are high. He doesn't care. Hmm. Because when he gets to the water bowl, the water bowl's like, have you lost your mind now? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, but I'm going to make <laughs> you a beautiful present. Yes. You into a beautiful present. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Yeah, I have come for beautiful Christmas, said Harvey, to make you into a present. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it is really something. Um yeah. And he seems joyful. He does. When he's on his way to do it, and what he's saying is, nope, but here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. He's not worried. He's not upset. He's just like, oh, I'm going to give this to, to Alan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's also so much the spirit of Christmas. I mean, Christ's coming down in the incarnation anyway. Yeah. He is doing something that's incomprehensible. And... um and it's all a big sacrifice, right. but he does it joyfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a deep thing the giving is. I mean, yeah. you, you felt that, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so the loving and the giving. He did understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Love it. I just was so stunned to find this story that so encapsulated the whole meaning of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Right, right. I really was touched. So mm. thank you, Gordon R. Dixon. Way to go, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. That is that is so great. Um, yeah, he is good. Everything I've read by him I've liked. Um, okay. But I haven't read a ton. Like I said, most of it has been short. In fact, I can't think of a novel that I've read. Um, mm. But, it, but it, yeah, he's clearly somebody I need to look more into. I know. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Paul Anderson is someone that I have read quite a bit of in the past five years. I've read some really excellent stuff by him. And, and he's, he's a writer. He's, he was really prolific. Um, and he, I didn't know if you know this, but he was the father-in-law of Greg Bear. Um, Greg, Greg Bear married Paul Anderson's daughter and yeah, poor, you know, may he rest in peace. Greg Bear died just very recently. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but Greg Bear was a, a very big author in the 80s, for me anyway. I yeah. read a lot of his stuff in the 80s. I didn't read him, but I saw his name everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so um, but Paul Anderson writes, in, in my experience, really two sets of things, mainly. Okay. Um, one set is science fiction, and then the other set would be like the fantasy inspired by... A Nordic myth, I yes, would say. or even English. 
I'm thinking of the book I read maybe this last year, Three Hearts and Three Swords. Oh, yeah, Three Hearts, Three Lions. Maybe I read it. Three Hearts, Three Lions, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was obviously Old English or Merlin, Arthur-inspired kind of stuff. Uh, But yes, when I was looking into more stuff like that, I could see it was all really based around Norse stuff, and I was kind of interested in some of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So this story is called... um, a season of forgiveness or the season of forgiveness and is part of his, what he calls his technic history series of stories. Um, they're just stories that are loosely connected um, by setting, you know? So he, he's got a couple of uh, these long series of stories that he did in his career. Um, so there's the technic one. And then uh, I can't remember the names of the other one, but, but um but anyway, in, in this story, um, there's a guy named Juan Hernandez, and he's on a planet that's orbiting like a red star, and he's near the Pleiades, you know, which is a gorgeous thing that we see in our sky. Um, and there's like a plant or something that uh, really has some value, and they're they're negotiating with these aliens um, to try and... Uh, be able to to harvest it and stuff, um, but then there there's like some animosity between them, right? the The aliens don't want anything to do with uh, humans taking any of this stuff or or anything like that, and they actually end up uh, attacking Juan. But Juan, well, go ahead. Well, actually, there's two factions of aliens. Mm-hmm, true. Yeah. One are the city dwellers, and they're kind of interested in the trade. And the others are, they're nomads and they're called like the people of the black tent or something. Mm -hmm. And they are very much uh, difficult to deal with. And the humans are trusting the city dwelling aliens to deal with them. And they're saying, well, the talks aren't going well. Right. But they probably won't bother anybody. And so. Well done. Yep. Yeah. Because that's kind of important at the end of the book. It's story. So. Because they want to have. Christmas. Right, right. And that's he's out gathering crystals to decorate the tree with. That's exactly what he's doing. In the nomads area. Yeah. Yeah, he's out there gathering it. And uh, so the nomads, the nomads claim the wild country, Overbeck says. You know, no one has disputed that for many centuries. And um, there's a group that they call the Ivanhoans. I I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Which, you know, goes to what you're saying about, you know, English myth as well. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely interested in, you know, these old time myths, right? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so they're so he does go out there to gather these crystals and then ends up getting attacked. Um but he manages to escape um even though he had a chance I mean he he does it without killing them all, <laughs> right? He's he's he basically uh I don't know. He runs inside right as the... No, he pulls out his blaster. Uh-huh. And they all go, oh, great. Well, you can kill us, but we know what you're like. Yes. We're never changing. Because it's almost like, it's almost like to me, um, they're like Comanches or something in the Old West where they were going to give no quarter and they were tough as nails. And so instead of shooting them, he shoots into the sky 
and it lights everything up like crazy. And they're so surprised that they, they either hide or they, they're blinded. And in that time period, he starts running away. And he mm. knows he probably can't beat them, but he's going to try and get to his ship. Right. And he so gets he does his get to his ship and he gets right. inside. Yeah. Yeah. Gets inside just in time. You know, like like when the spears hit the outside of the door. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah kind of exactly. A scene, right? It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly perfect. Um, but yeah, but he, they end up talking about Christmas to some of the aliens, correct? Well, uh, yeah, because, mm-hmm. see, and I just reread this before. Yeah, uh, please go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so what happens is, is they're like, but we have a question. You could have killed us and you didn't. What is going on? And he says, well, I couldn't, especially on Christmas, not at this <laughs> time of year. Right. And they're like, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, it's a holy time of year. And they're like, holy, go on. Mm-hmm. And so he winds up telling them about Jesus, basically. I mean, they don't describe that, but he tells them about Christmas. And he is religious um, because he want, he's one of the ones who wants to have the tree and everything. And um, so by the time he gets done, they're like, oh, oh, well, that's different. <laughs> okay. Yes. And they let him go. That's right. Yep. And then what happens is, is they wind up because he, he also had said it's a time of peace when he connected it to holiness and all this. And so they wind up coming and talking to the city dwellers and saying, uh, and they're like, well, we can't believe you didn't kill this guy. And it's like, well, he explained it was a time of peace and maybe there's something to that. And then, and they kind of apologize. Mm-hmm. And the city dwellers also say, you know what? It was pointed out to us that we might not have been negotiating in a way that is very, I can't remember if it was fair or easy to understand, but they're like, so if we did, we're sorry. Mm. Because the nomads apologized first, they apologize. And then everybody goes, well, great. Well, then we're going to go away. We think we can make this work out, but we're going to go think about it. And we'll come back and talk some more. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And what happens is what gets explained is that – Hold on, let me just look at the very yeah. end of this. And I've got it right here. Oh, you know? do you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Wanna he say says, it you know, we, we came, we came, we Earthlings. We offered them a fair, profitable bargain, but nothing else. We seemed to have no other motive than material gain. They could not understand this. It made us too peculiar. They could never really trust us. Now that they know we have our own sacrednesses, well, they see that we're not so different from them, and they'll heed our advice. And then Juan uttered an unsteady laugh. <laughs> what a long lecture, no? He ended. I'm very tired and hungry. May I please go get something to eat and afterward to bed? And as he crossed the square, the carol followed him. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Yeah. So that, that was the striking thing to me about this story. Um, it's rare, but it's not unheard of that you have a story where the aliens are spiritual. Um, right. It seems like, you know, in, in most stories that you read, you know, the aliens are looking at our, our religions and saying, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, what does this mean? You know, how can this even be, you know, and and the idea being that um, progress, um, you know, this general scientific belief, right, that progress would have us leaving aside religion. But as people like, I don't know, Paul Johnson in modern times, you know, notes that um, 
one of the most striking things about the 20th century is that, you know, religion didn't go away. <laughs> yeah. and, and Paul Johnson is a religious guy, right? So he's right. just like, you know, this, this, this is not going away, right? Um, it, it's, it's part of us. You know, we have this God-shaped hole. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, even when they talk about how the, the rise of the nuns, right, the N-O-N-E-S's, you know, yes. there's still this belief inherent, you know, still the most people do. Most people have this belief whether they're practicing religious people or not. Um, there's, there's this undercurrent and, and, you know, my hope would that they would return, <laughs> they'll return, uh, you know, into the fold. But, um, but this idea that aliens have this sacredness and this belief and only after we express that we have a belief that did they trust us? I, I just find that super appealing. Um, yeah, that and I hope judging... that's what we find in the universe. Yeah. Well, yeah, that they're judging our worthiness to even be considered um, not human, but just, um, well, I guess worthy, you know, is, oh, you don't just operate on the basic level of being merchants. Yeah. It's not just about profit. There's got to be more to life. And Mm -hmm. the nomads and the city dwellers all feel that way because it is inherent to the race. And so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And, um, and the idea that it was forgiveness. Yeah. Right. A season for forgiveness. Right. Yeah. And I didn't kill you because it's Christmas. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And they said, how, well, hold on. I I, I get the feeling that Juan wouldn't have done it anyway. It's, it's just like, you know, he said that, but I, I love that he said that. But it's like, this is a season of forgiveness. You, you get the impression that he's the type of person who would have avoided it if he could. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, me, you don't ahead. even know if what, what they believe. They could believe yeah. one of those wacky things like you see on Star Trek where they're like, our faith is like this. And it's, uh-huh. you know, atonal bells and, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> right. But they don't care. The, the fact is, is that, that this is what makes you... Um, you know, a full, complete being, right? Essentially, yeah. And like you're saying, it's yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is you think about the nuns, n o n e s, and those are often the people who are saying things like, "Well, if you send it out to the universe, something good's going to come back." And mm-hmm. I was like, "No, you don't understand the universe." <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be this way, and I am not often, but sometimes there's some people I'm like. You know the universe isn't actually a being, right? There is a being, but yeah. it's not the universe. It's not the universe itself, yeah. right? Oh, you're so close, yeah. yeah. Just keep well, at exactly. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it's just as amazing even more than you think. <laughs> it but, is. you know. Yeah, it made me think, you know, in, in science fiction, I think the one, the, the prominent book in my reading history that comes to mind is Calculating God. Which oh, right. um, I've, I've I've reread um, not super recently, but I think mm-hmm. I I don't think that we'll ever talk about it. At least I won't bring it up. But the because when I first encountered it, I've come a long way down the road since then. And um, ah. and there is you know it's really a presentation of all these arguments for and against God, which um, is pretty basic, you know. But I really <laughs> yeah. I, and and incorrect, I might add, in other places. But the. Mm-hmm. But um, it was written by an atheist, by the way. But when I first read that book, I was really enamored with the idea that this alien that came down 
could not believe that somebody didn't believe in God. He was yeah. like, I know that God exists. What, how can you guys not believe in God? What the heck does that mean? And that idea is super appealing. It makes me yeah. want to figure out a right one. <laughs> i got to write my own one, um, you know, where Good, the aliens believe in God. Would. Someone needs to, um, for sure. So, yeah, maybe Cy Kellett can do it. Cy um, <laughs> Kellett might be able to do it. I know it. I know it. Um, I love that. And, and when I think answers. too about, you know, the nuns and things, um, mm-hmm. you watched, uh, the good place, right? Did you, oh, yeah. did you watch it all the way to the end? Uh-huh. Okay. And I, I loved that there was a lot of stuff in there that really were Catholic. Um, you could point right to Catholicism from mm-hmm. what they were saying is seems right. You know what I mean? <laughs> seems right, right that the universe works like this. Well, you know. That's that's one of our beliefs right there, you know, um, pretty close anyway. But um, I, I, w- I was heartened by the fact of how how close they were coming. Um, well, and it's just the like, problem yeah. with the good place is the mm-hmm. same thing as my problem with calculating God, which is that at the end of the book, mm-hmm. they didn't believe a lot of the things they were actually putting out there. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, they had nowhere to go with it. So they mm-hmm. fell back on some... Very insubstantial, unsatisfying idea of this is something that people who don't have any real faith, I think a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. believe. And that was the same thing with the calculating God was, oh, it's this idea. Mm -hmm. This is what we think God is. And I'm like, no, that's both those just leave you unsatisfied because the book or, or show was doing such a good job many ways at moving you along and thinking about all these things. So yeah, yeah. that's that's where they needed a co-author or something. <laughs> I don't know. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is my co-pilot. <laughs> that's it. He's my co-author. Mm-hmm. Just get someone else in there and let them finish it up. And even if you have to grit your teeth to read the ending, just let yeah. them do it, man. There you go. Yeah. Love they it. have the courage of some kind of conviction instead mm-hmm. of this wishy-washy stuff yeah. that makes no one happy. Very nice. I love it. (laughs) All right. I hope you love it because it's there now. It is very good. It's out there. It's out there. There's nothing we can do. It's out there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Too fun. Too fun. All right. Brother. Well, the next one is Happy Birthday, Dear Jesus by Frederick Pohl, who I have read uh, more of than. than, Dixon anyway. Me too. Um, but yeah, but uh, he, to me, he's, he's kind of an enigma. This was an interesting story, um, but go ahead oh. and go ahead and describe. Yeah. How is he an enigma? Or well, do you be, need, because, is no, that just, after the story? No, you, we can do it after the story, but like, okay. you know, I'm just thinking about the one I know best is Gateway. Um, I don't know if oh. you've read Gateway by Frederick Pohl. No, but I've read The Space Merchants. Okay, very good. And The Space Merchants is is married to this one um, a little closer, I think. Oh, yeah, because um, and yeah. I went and looked him up because he worked in advertising as a copywriter. Yeah, that would make and sense. And so you're just like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm seeing yeah. it here because, um, yeah, this this is a really funny story to me. because Well, first of all, it's meant to be funny, mm-hmm. which is also good. Yeah, like first a little First of all, the s- title, Happy Birthday, right? Dear Jesus. Yes, yeah. it is satirical. <laughs> And it is told from the point of view of a young man. Let's see. I don't remember his name if we're told it. But yeah. anyway, he's like the head Mr. of a department. Martin. Mr. Martin is his name. Mr. Martin. <laughs> yeah. The head of a department at a store. And Christmas is coming. And man, these people are all about churning out the sales, <laughs> getting yeah. things to people's houses. How much profit can we make? And he's like, I felt bad at one point, he says, because... 
you know, we could have done better. And he goes, but at the same time, the top people are coming going, we've never had such great sales. He's (laughs) like, but I knew it could have been more. (laughs) And so it's all about getting dishwashers to people's houses and all the things that are going to make life so easy and so wonderful and everything everyone wants. And um, I actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to just skip ahead a little. At one point he is singing to someone a Christmas song and, um, second mm-hmm. uh, okay tis the season of Christmas it's called a visit from Santa Claus we think we know this song tis the season of Christmas and all through the house Saint Nick and his helpers begin their carouse the closets are stuffed and the drawers overflowing with gift-wrapped remembrances coming and going what a joyous abandon of Christmas time glow what a making of lists what a spending of dough So much for the bedroom, so much for the bath, so much for the kitchen, too little by half. Come Westinghouse, Philco, come Hotpoint, GE, come Sunbeam, come Mixmaster, come to the tree. So much for the wardrobe, how shine daddy's eyes as he reaps his Yule harvest of slippers and ties. So much for the family, so much for the friends, so much for the neighbors. The list never ends. And it keeps going about mm. robot dishwashers, appliances, electrified hairbrushes, full color stereoscope TVs, come credit department, come personal loan, come morbi- mortgage, come Christmas club. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I maybe read a lot of it, but it cracked me up oh, I love it. because mm. it's everything, of course, that's wrong with Christmas. And this is an older story and he was in advertising and he didn't need to be, but you could tell. And so... The story is skewering all these ideas of this is what makes a good Christmas, of course. Yeah, right. But everyone's throwing themselves into it with the religious fervor. And what happens is, is that early in the story, there's a new young woman in the department who Lily Mary, her name is, and Mm -hmm. he sees her and just falls straight away into love with her. He cannot take his eyes off her. He wants to talk to her all the time. He wants to go on a date with her. And so they do date. And what he finds when he goes to her house is that they were living in, is it Borneo, as um, missionaries. And And so what it is, is they're not overtly talking about religion, but they don't have a dishwasher for one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They wash the dishes by hand, which seems so <laughs> primitive. And they and Lily Mary keeps going, I'm sorry, I know our ways are odd. We've been living among primitive people so long. And as it goes on, and, and she begins to be attracted to him, and the father uh, comes in, and she's like, well, you know, we're Christians, and so we, we've got some stuff. We don't do certain things. And it's funny because none of this story is about sex, which a story today would all be about if this mm-hmm. was the kind of conflict it's all about the consumerism and how, what is your, your service going to be about? She doesn't work on Sunday. That's why he goes to her house first. You didn't show up. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't they tell you I have a special contract? I could use the money, but I can't work on Sunday. So it's just about how their lifestyle makes them so opposite. Yeah. And um, the things I liked about this story is that, for one thing, this family is fairly tolerant. The, they they protest, mm-hmm. and the father will stop them, or the father will say, oh, "I don't think this is going to work out," you know. But then he'll go, "You know what, Lily Mary? I trust, I trust her to know her own mind. I know she'll do the right thing." 
but there are protests all the way through, but they're very polite and only half uttered. Mm. Uh, and um, so also nobody's having an argument with him about it, yeah, which would happen yeah. in a story today. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, what I really like is that love pulls him into a new way of thinking and into a world beyond things. <laughs> Because he winds up changing. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I think I think what I liked most about the story is the the satire of the, there's two two things that leapt out to me. Like one is what her job was was to she's painting like uh, Christmas wrapping on stuff, right? And the prices are being printed on the outside of the box so they can know how much you spent on them so that they can spend the same on you. You know, I liked that. I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. And then, um, here I'm on page 86, but, but here he's saying, you know, I I hate to sound like a boss, but I'm really shorthanded on weekends right now at the peak of the season. And it says the season. And he says the Christmas season, I explained nearly 90% of our annual business is done in the Christmas season and a good half of it on weekends. Uh, so won't you ask her? Right. So, and then if I go down here just a little bit, it says crazy people. Uh, so he's thinking to himself, I rode the subway back to the store in an irritable mood. I bought a paper, but I didn't read it because every time I looked at it all, all I saw was the date that showed me how far the Christmas season had already advanced, how little time we had left to make our quotas and beat last year's record, the 8th of September. <laughs> so it's the 8th of September and they're at the peak of the season. And um, I just think that that's, that that's just brilliant, you know, because it seems like earlier and earlier every year they're getting their Christmas stuff out and um, it, you know, the, the stores and it's just funny that, you know, when was this written? This would have been uh, in the sixties, I'm guessing for poll, but, um, oh, probably. but I just, I just think it made me laugh out loud. It's like, I'm in September for heaven's sakes. So, uh, <laughs> and it's the peak of the season. Yeah. 19, no, oh, 1984. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Okay. No, it was 1956. Okay. And then renewed in 1984. So okay. 1956. <laughs> um, so it was already getting earlier back then. And they, I can imagine, but back then I was like, wow, it's Thanksgiving's over and suddenly there's Christmas stuff. That must have been early back then. But now, yeah, we see Christmas stuff sometimes right before Halloween right now. So, I mean, we're, we're approaching September. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was just listening. I've been listening to a lot of Christmas podcasts, and one mm-hmm. of them was talking about the how people complain about it's further and further out. And they said, you know, it used to be the week before Christmas, you you get a few Christmas gifts together. <laughs> that was it. Yes, yeah, right. And they said, but World War II changed it because you had to buy things far enough in advance that you could ship them out overseas mm. wherever. Yeah, yeah. And so that naturally extended it. And then right. people have just been creeping out ever since. Right. Wow. But yeah, I, yep. um, yeah, I, that's true. Cause the Christmas season, they're like, what season? <clears throat> yeah. Because these are Christians who are like, that has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is accurate, but it feels like there's a little pushback on uh, working Thanksgiving Day. It feels like there is anyway. I don't know if it's I mean, changing right anything. Yeah, right now. Oh, because, yeah. Because they, they started to open, uh, it's like, we'll start our Black Friday sale on Thursday. 
you know, because oh, I know. they all want to be, they all, I, I hate Black Friday, period. I, I do not participate. Um, no. But I, I find it extremely offensive. <laughs> you know, I, I just wish that they just, uh, it's just, it's ugly. It's like we have Thanksgiving and then the day after that, it's like we're we're thankful for all the, our stuff, everything that is in our lives, right? And then the next day we're out getting stuff, I, you know, like fighting Elbowing each other each for other. stuff, right? Exactly. Right. There's just something wrong with that. Um, it feels like it's bad for the soul. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. But yeah. But but I love that he's on to this in 1956. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And same with the space merchants, right? I mean, he was on to some of this advertising. That was, yeah. yeah, and that's what yeah. it was there. Because I think that's the book I remember reading where when you were asleep, they would just beam the ads onto your retinas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of thing, or into your brain. That oh. kind of thing, you just so you'd wake and up going, come so I do far need some new then. underwear yeah. of this brand. <laughs> know, it's like <laughs> the internet is almost unusable. There's so many ads on it. Oh, um, my gosh, I mean, yes. There's some sites I won't even yeah, look at. You're just like, yeah, that's not even worth going to anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it must be working because they keep doing it. So. Well, yeah. And the the working on Thanksgiving thing, I think the pandemic, one of the good things of the pandemic was that that stopped that. Yeah, good. And mm. at least here in Dallas, and I assume these were I a think lot it's of probably because they can't, can't find workers, right? They still haven't well, returned to... Part of it, but yeah. I think part of it was, yeah, like Target was closed. All these places that had been opening and then opening earlier and earlier, yeah. which I just abhorred. Mm. I was like, this is one thing we've still got left. Yeah. You know, leave it to us and leave it for the workers. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, I don't know of places that were really open. I mean, I didn't see anywhere advertising they were yeah. open on Thanksgiving. I, I didn't go out, so I don't know. But it just feels like I've seen just so much negativity about, you know, why are you opening on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. But I imagine people still would go if, if they were open. So, well, um, yeah. yeah. Don't complain because you're going. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. go then because you feel like you have to get ahead of everybody. You've got all this time left. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it was very satirical about that because in the midst of all this and as different as they were and as many things as he got wrong, mm-hmm. which is like having people show up and redo their house for them <laughs> because it was so backwards. They don't even have a TV for heaven's sakes. <laughs> they were just singing songs and playing the piano or whatever. Yeah. Um. She still, Lily Mary falls in love with him too. Mm-hmm. And so this is um, after, this is the end of the story and the minister, the father, after he says, I know Lily Mary and I can trust her to make up her own mind. He patted her lightly. I'll see you after the service, he said to me and left us. Back in the hall, through the door he opened, I could hear all the voices going at once. Yeah. Let's go inside and pray, George, said Lily Mary, and her whole heart and soul was on her face as she looked at me with love and anxiousness. I only hesitated a moment. Pray? But it meant Lily Mary, and that meant, well, everything. So I went in, and we were all kneeling, and Lily Mary coached me through the words, and I prayed, and do you know, I've never regretted it. Yep. And I thought... You know, it's so funny how you read it, and there's more than one meaning in that. He mm. doesn't regret having Lily Mary. He doesn't regret having prayed. Right. 
And they were going back to Borneo and Lily Mary was going with him. So that means maybe he went to Borneo too. Mm -hmm. So it was life changing. And um, I read that and perhaps this is what you meant by enigmatic. I just thought, who was Frederick Pohl? Was he <laughs> That's Christian? exactly What's going what I meant. On with this? That's exactly what yeah. I meant. Yep. Yep. Because yeah, I mean, like something like Gateway, you know, there's there's a lot of sex in it and a lot of psychology, um, mm. deep dark psychology in it. And um, but there's also consumerism. And that is a connection to the story because in, in Gateway they discover a an asteroid that is full of alien ships, but no aliens. So somebody gets in one and it's like pre-programmed mm. to go somewhere. So it goes somewhere and then comes back, you know, and they ended up going somewhere where there was like all kinds of things that they could gather and they got rich when they got back because they had all this stuff to sell. Right. And then mm. it became like humanity. It was like a gold rush. People were risking their lives. They would oh. be like, get me on this ship so that I can, because some people never came back. Some people came back dead, <laughs> you know, some people came back rich, you know, so it was a lottery and people would just, you know, elbow each other in line to get into one of these ships and, and have it go wherever it went. They had no control over where it went. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was this, you know, consumerism to, uh, you know, to the nth degree there, you know, people wanted to get rich. Um, well, and that but would yeah, be, but the, yeah, so that matches, yeah, that would be him. Yeah. yeah. That matches his themes here, but this, this end, you know, let's pray. And I've never regretted that, you know, just seems, yeah, seems really, out of character, but I love it. Yeah, yep. exactly. Love it. Love it. Well, and you know, that thing about the ships, alien ships going off and you don't know where they're going or what, have you ever read the time trader series by Andre Norton? No, I haven't. Oh. I've read almost zero Andre Norton. In fact, okay. I'm pretty sure I read a novel, but I couldn't remember what it was. But it was, certainly wasn't that one. Well, the Time Trader series is one that I've read two or three times. I really enjoy it. It's from the 1950s and 60s. So, um, but, but the whole idea is um, that there's this alien race that's sneaking around. And you can travel in time. It has discovered this time travel thing, and so have the people on Earth who are like a super secret CIA type thing fighting them, right? And there, mm-hmm. those aliens are helping the Russians, and it's the Cold War. So, uh, <laughs> they're horrible. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, so when they travel in time, they go back into Earth's time periods. But then also, other books where, uh, like Galactic Derelict, they find this alien spaceship from a long time ago but of course with the time travel they don't know it could have relatively speaking just just Mm -hmm. happened um but they find it and they get into it and it just takes them off somewhere crazy and they don't know if they're going to get back Mm. and a bunch of them are like that key out of time they're on an alien planet and they go back in time on the alien planet Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, and so it's the Defiant Agents is like that. That's mm. um, that's actually kind of an interesting one about Indians, Native Americans. Oh, yeah. I think she spent a lot of time in the, with Indian mythology and stuff like that and, and just yeah. Indians, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. That, was, that was one. Um, and so those stories I've read a lot. I haven't necessarily read – any of her other stories, I would have to mm. look. But the the whole idea of getting on the alien's ship and just and and seeing where it takes you in in that series, 
these are people, these are men who are trained to take on danger for fighting uh, for right, you know, mm. so to speak. Yeah. Yours sounds more like, like you say, like the gold rush. I may make yeah. it over the mountains <laughs> and pass the uh, natives, or I may not. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so. For sure. Yeah. But another good series if anybody yeah. wants to. Very good. Like that. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Yeah. Well, one yeah. more. The last okay. one is called um, Christmas Roses. It, it has. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah. I couldn't help it. Just the name. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, it it's, has an alternate title called Christmas Tree, I found. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Which, you know, either, either title makes perfect sense. Yes. Either um, one works. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, this story is, so there's an astronaut called Davies who's, um, he's arriving on the earth, right? And, uh, I guess this, this space folks, they get a, they get a physical every time, every time they fly. Right. Yeah. So he goes to buy a Christmas tree that he wants to bring up to the moon because there's somebody up there that's asking him for one. Right. <laughs> said, old hey, Hans has been back, there for yeah, 40 years. Hans, bring back, bring back a Christmas tree, would you? And they're like, sure. You know, so, um, so the, they, we learn that, um, there is the, – the astronauts get this warning, right? They get a first and a final warning. Um, and, and the warning has to do with, hey, your body is getting to a point where it can't withstand the stress of spaceflight, right? Which is like – I think it was like four and a half Gs or something. Like, you know what they were talking about back then. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, you know, what's accurate here. But anyway, the idea in this story is that um, – astronauts have a shelf life they can only they can only um travel so often before their body shuts down and they're actually really would be committing suicide to fly and the doctors have got it down you know they they can very accurately predict when your body's hit it so astronauts get this first warning and then they never know what the distance is between that first warning and the final warning and the final warning means, hey, wherever you're at, you need to stay because you can no longer fly. If you're on the moon, you have to stay there. If you're on the earth, you're going to have to stay there, right? There's no more going in between. It's um, kind of like that story of, uh, you know, the stowaway. And yes, there's only I thought the exact same thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Tom Godwin, Gosh, The Cold yeah. Equations. The Cold That's Equations, it. right. So it's just like, you know, it's math, right? Yeah. It's math and there's nothing you can do about that, right? Yeah. So, um, so here's Davies and he's had his first warning before. Um, and he's taken this trip to the earth and he's like, you know, yeah, I know I'm close, but... You know, it, it is kind of a crapshoot because the astronauts really don't know how long it is between their first and final. It doesn't mean, you know, like when they get their first warning, they have two trips and then they have to stop. Right. It's like there's this indeterminate amount of time where they keep doing these physicals and at some point they're going to have to stop. Yeah, right? it just depends on the person. Exactly. So he picks up this Christmas tree and then off to the moon they go and uh, they they fly to the moon and... Um, then him and the this guy that he's with that that helped him smuggle this tree, <laughs> they go yeah, to find they go to find Hans, but Hans has passed away, and uh, so they they take him out to this uh, graveyard, and they 
plant the tree right on its grave. And um, I thought that was really just mm-hmm. beautiful. I want to read part of that. Mm. Um, let's see. Hold on just a second. Take me just a second to find it. There it is. Okay. So Portuguese. Portuguese halted the caterpillar on the crest of a rise about midway between Luna City and Kelly's Crater. It was the usual burial ground. The planet's surface here was cross-hatched in deep grooves by some age-old catastrophe. We clamped down the visors on our suits and got out. Portuguese and I carried old Hans easily between us, his frail body fantastically light against lunar gravity. We put him down carefully in a wide, deep cleft, and I turned round towards the truck. Louis walked toward us carrying the Christmas tree. There had been moisture on it, which had frozen instantly into a sparkling frost. It looked like a centerpiece out of a store shop window. It had seemed a good idea back in Luna City, but now it didn't seem appropriate. We wedged it in with rocks. Portuguese read a prayer, and we walked back to to the caterpillar, glad to be able to let our visors down again and light up cigarettes. (laughs) So this is by John <laughs> Christopher, course. by the way. I don't know that we we mentioned that, but I know I looked yeah. tried looking him up, but I've never read anything by him. Yeah, he, he's got a famous one called "The Death of Grass," which I have not read, and um, I think I ought to. I, I, it's pretty highly regarded. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm just trying to figure out when this story was. 1943. Okay. So yeah, in space and smoking. You know, I love. It reminds you me. Know. It reminds me of Alien. You know, Alien. That first thing. You know, just imagine being in this tight ship where you know you're carrying all your air and stuff, and we're all smoking. Um, yeah, you know. yeah, you bet. I love it. <clears throat> so that's that. Just that really, really touched me. And then well, it, also, yeah, though, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the the rest of it says the tree stood up green and white mm, against yes. the sullen, hunching blackness of Kelly's crater. Mm-hmm. Right overhead was the earth, glowing with daylight. Oh, beautiful, yeah. I could make out Italy clear and unsmudged, but further north, Hans's beloved Austria was hidden under blotching December cloud. Yeah. And so you've got the whole context of the place he could never get to. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But and the, the cool right thing there. about the moon um, is that it that earth will always be right overhead. Right? It'll it mm-hmm. never it does not move in the sky. It doesn't rotate. It doesn't yeah. yeah the, the moon rotates at the same uh, yeah, or the revolution it. and the rotation are the same. So Wherever you're standing, if you can see the earth, the earth will always be in that exact same spot. Yeah. Um, which I think is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then the last thing that occurs is uh, he gets ready to uh, take another trip to earth and he gets a red card, right? The card we comes out red. We all knew it was happening. We all knew it was going to happen, right? And he says, nope, I'm sorry, you can't go. And he said... Uh, you know, it's worth the risk. You know, I'm happy to take it. I'll fill out any forms you want. And they said, nope, I'm sorry. And now he's stuck on the moon. He's not going to leave. And uh, that final paragraph is, from the top level in Luna City, you can see the sky. At night, the stars and the softly glowing earth. Uh, Down to the west, Sirius blazes over Kelly's crater. I've been up here for hours watching them. I keep thinking I can smell roses. But the, I've neglected to mention that the guy they bought the tree from also had roses. That's yeah. it. And he was mm-hmm. crawling around in a greenhouse or something like that. And yeah. so 
the smell of the roses was uh, filling the air, and it was very rich. And yeah, um, and he was Mr. Cliff. Mm-hmm. So he was talking to Mr. Cliff, who was asking questions, and this is how you get the explanation of the, you know, the medicals and what they do, and also, yeah. and mm-hmm. he said, "Oh, how awful! Forty years." Because he said, "How long has your friend been there?" He says, "Oh, probably forty years." It happens when you're in your thirties, and he says, 40 years with no sun, no sky, or you know, no blue sky, no birds singing, no roses, none of this, and it's so melancholy because you know." You know that's going to happen to this guy because they're like, "Why aren't you?" He goes, "Why don't you just stop now?" And he goes, "Oh, you could always make one more trip. Yeah, you one think more you trip. Just... We can squeeze it in there." Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he says, "If you, once you get the card, if you want to, you can take a pension." And I'm like, "You can take a pension, uh-huh. you know, and you can have, work a second job, just like you know, guys in the military or whatever." Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's never going to happen to you. That's how it is, mm-hmm. and. um yeah, I, I did think when I was reading the story, and this is because I'm overthinking it, I was like, if you can get somebody to smuggle a Christmas tree, you're going to tell me you can't get someone to try to smuggle you back to Earth because yes, maybe right. you'll make it. Oh, that's a good point. And if you yeah. die, you don't care. That's a good point. I mean, point. I'd yep. have been going around the scuzzy. Now, that's not how the story goes, so that's yes, not the right. world. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'd be going, fine, because if I die up here, if I die on the way out of here, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Because yeah, he's he's cut off from everything. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when when he's with Mr. Cliff, I love this sentence too, this little couple sentences. It was a white rose, very nicely shaped and scented like spring. The roses had me. I crawled around after Mr. Cliff, seeing roses, feeling roses, breathing roses. Loved it. That's 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 well yeah. put. Yeah. And I think that's why Christmas Rose is the better name, probably. Yeah. 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 Because that's at the end, he says, I thought I could smell roses. Right, or I can't right. smell, what is it he says? I can't <laughs> smell roses, or I thought I could, yeah. or something about roses. I think, yeah, okay, I, love I keep it. thinking I can smell roses. <laughs> yeah. And it's. Um, and we're recording this on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. We of my dad. are. Roses, then, yay. Yeah, roses for Mary, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow is Juan Diego's feast day, mm-hmm. which would be more roses because he is the person who saw Our Lady of Guadalupe and carried back roses in his tilma to the bishop to prove that he'd seen her, and it was December. And then Monday is the um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, as I said, maybe I just said that, but anyway, um, and more roses. So. Right. I'm planning on driving um, to the store a few times to get roses this week. <laughs> that's so. a good idea. I need to do that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely do. Yeah. Love it. It's not much. It's just a nice touch. Yeah. I just love that touch. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there, there's one other th- cool idea that I'd like to mention about one other story. And, and maybe uh-huh. you have other things too. But there's a story called A Little Town of Bethlehem 2. And I loved the idea here that if you travel faster than light – you can travel oh. like 2,000 light years away. And then when you look back at the earth, what you're seeing is the light from the earth 2,000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. It, you're way far away, but you're seeing that. So the idea here is that they're on a planet and Christ is about to be born on the earth. Uh, however many light years they went away. I can't right. remember, but what, whatever the calculation was. So they've flown far enough away that they've calculated that the light we're going to see from the earth 
at this exact time is the the time that that Christ was born. Right. <laughs> and I just think that that's that's just really that awesome, was a great awesome to idea. think about. It was a really cool idea. Yeah. I love that idea. The story made me so angry I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, so, I, I understand that. <laughs> it's one of those people are yeah. the worst. Uh-huh. Oh, did we tell you? People are awful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it was a very, very cool idea. <laughs> yeah, I really like yeah. that. It's just really cool to think about. <laughs> it was a great idea. Yeah, and there was a story I didn't understand the ending to. That doesn't happen to me very much. The, the falcon and no wait, oh, it's yeah. falcon and the falconer. No, uh, yeah, the one where they're interviewing everybody about. Well, if I didn't oh, know yeah, what would have happened, right. and they never really describe what happens at the end very yeah. well for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm I feel sure stupid. <laughs> I feel really stupid. I don't know yeah. what's going on. I know something awful happened. Yeah, and you got to watch out for the aliens on that planet. <laughs> So Malsberg, um, right? Barry Malsberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's right. And then and a couple Cummings. of fun. I, I found them fun. Asimov stories. Oh, yeah. There's actually two in oh, there. Oh yes. Asimov's typical, you know, entertaining, fun. Yeah. Yes, his his always have a light touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the one the book's named after Christmas on Ganymede. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So it was a fun book. It was, yeah. you know, like every anthology, there's a few that you don't like, and you hope there's more that you do like. And I liked yeah. most of these. Well, good. And even the ones that I wasn't crazy about had mm-hmm. really neat concepts or good writing or whatever. So Right, yeah. They're totally worth reading. Yep, I think so too. Yeah. Yep, a lot of these stories are the, the, the cool idea story that, you know, you know, it can be really short. <laughs> yeah. This cool idea. That is a cool idea. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. And actually, yeah. there was one called Christmas Treason, which was really good. In fact, I read it twice to make mm. sure I understood exactly what was going on all the time. James White on that one? Uh, from a bunch of little kids. Christmas Treason, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of good ones. It's just for this podcast, these were the ones that really grabbed us. So Yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, very good. Yeah, good well, choice. Well, thank you for this one. Yes, that's fun. Yeah, no. So, glad you picked it. Yeah. So, so this marks the end of our the end of our 12th season. Can you imagine? Can you believe that? I just can't believe that. It's it's past 12 years. It, it feels simultaneously like it's taken a long time <laughs> and also it's taken no time at all. Forever um, and and just now. Yeah. Right. And I uh how can I have so many things written down on pages in my notebook that we still haven't talked about that yeah, are important? That, that's stunning. How right? can that be? So a good story is not hard to find. We've said that. <laughs> We're keeping right. the name. Yeah, we are. Because we love our Flannery. But that's right. Yep. And yeah. uh, we've already got um, season 13 is already laid right out on the sidebar on our website. Yeah. So uh, blogspot.com. If you haven't visited there, you can uh, check out what we've got. And we will open next season with a January mm-hmm. 10th show mm-hmm. with a special guest, Cy Kellett from yes. Catholic Answers. Very exciting. More, Yes, very mm-hmm. exciting. More important to us is he's the author of a great science fiction book called Ad Limina. Yes. Or is I that thought how you that say was it? really good. Yeah, Ad Limina, which is yeah. the name of a, you know, the, the visit that the bishop takes to Rome. Yeah. Right. So I mean, in the future, mm-hmm. when there's a bishop of Mars who has to go every five years to Rome, 
what's going to happen to him? That's right. How's that trip going to go? And it's yeah. a really, it's not a very long book, but it's kind of old school in the way it handles a lot of things. And I, it's really great. And you should all, I thought if it you was like science fiction, quite, you should find quite it. Quite good. Quite, quite yeah, good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And he's picked the, I don't know how you say this, the Thanatos syndrome. Sounds right to me. By, yeah. Good. We'll both say it like that. That's and if right. he says it different, we'll, we won't listen. Uh, he's not yeah. that important. I oh, know he's kind of important. Never mind. By Walker Percy, uh-huh. who yeah. I've never read. I've always um, heard about him. Yeah. He's, he's been recommended to me several times, and I have not yeah. read him either. So this will be great. And this is a science fiction story also. Mm-hmm. Looking so forward gonna, to that. And we got a lot of science fiction for next year, so we're we it's looking good. Yeah, we, we got some science things. fiction. We got some St. Thomas Aquinas uh, biography. Oh, Chesterton. RRR. We have to oh, look forward Indian to movie. Indian movie. Uh, guess what? It's not the only one, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> we have Flannery Cast 2023. We do. In which we're going to talk about some of Flannery O'Connor's letters. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking forward to that. But yep. we also have a lot of things. We have uh, Jane Austen for the first time. Ooh. I can't believe it's 13 years, and I don't think we've read any Jane Austen. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We got some H.G. Wells, which, gosh, I guess that's also science fiction, but I think of him as classic. Yeah. Which for tells sure. you how I think. Yeah. We got a swashbuckler. Mm-hmm. We've got Amelie. I mean, we've got things. We have stuff. We got things. Should be a good one. Yeah, lineup. we have stuff. We have stuff. <laughs> That's it. I love it. Anyway, take a look at the sidebar and then have a good, good Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everyone. Yes. Yes. And thank you, Julie. This has been a wonderful trip and I'm still looking forward to more. Scott, thank mm-hmm. you. I feel the, gosh, I feel the same way. That's good. This is thank just you. too much fun. <laughs> yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Okay. Well, take care, everyone. And we will talk to you in January. Ooh, 2023. Here we come. Yeah. We are coming on a spaceship. All right. Love it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. (laughs) 